Hi, everyone, and welcome to Faves Forward. It's been a couple of months since our last podcast. The episodes until now have been about how houses of worship in Spokane are staying connected during COVID, but this episode is a special edition. It's about how, after a divisive presidential election, our country could come together again by listening to one another. I believe journalists should be more transparent. And so I've been vocal in my criticisms of Donald Trump. After all, he calls me the enemy of the people. But I also believe in the power of dialogue and storytelling. So today I talked to my lifelong friend, Francisco Delgado, who is an avid supporter of the president. I'm here with uh, Kiko Delgado, who is a friend who I go back with from a long time ago. We actually have known each other since we both lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, we didn't go to high school together, but we both worked at the same amusement park while we were in high school. Kiko, were you a yellow shirt at Cliffs? I was a yellow shirt. I think it was, what, 15 years old? Yeah, me Bana- too. Bananas. <laughs> you were bananas. Yeah, we started working at Cliffs when we were uh, 15 years old, which was the amusement park there. And then Kiko followed me to <laughs> Eastern yeah. Eastern New Mexico University, which was three hours away. We went to college there uh, together. And I don't remember what you majored in, Kiko. Uh, business. Of course, yes. Yeah. Kiko majored in business and I majored in uh, journalism. And we took some religion courses uh, together and um, and hung out all the time. We went to Bible studies together and church, I think, a couple of times. And we did, yeah. Yeah. Um, and today, Kiko is now living in Texas. He is former military. He's an evangelical. He's a Trump supporter. He is Latino. And now he works for an airline. Um, and I'm a journalist living in Spokane, Washington area. I no longer consider myself an evangelical, but faith is an important part of my life. Uh, and I've been a vocal critic of Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the one thing is uh, that Kiko and I both agree that dialogue is crucial, um, especially right now. Um, And we need to find a way to bridge the divide that we're seeing in our country. And so during the election, um, it took several days to to get to where we are now. We're recording this on a Tuesday. At this point, Biden has been named president-elect. But during those couple of days, I was laying in bed and trying to think about you know, what to do next? What are the next steps? And I thought of my friend Kiko and um, how important it would be just to have a conversation and maybe model for other people what that could be like. So Kiko, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Tracy. Of course. Let me ask you why, because I know you have similar sentiments. Why do you think it's important to have, you know, these conversations? I think it's it's important because that's how we move the needle and um, into, you know, we, both sides always do this, you know, after an election, it's, we have to unify, we have to unify, but let's be honest that, and the media is partly to blame here, they, they continue to wedge us further apart, depending on, you know, how you view things. Um, but no one talks, no one talks or tackles like the real issues that we should be tackling. And I think it's important to, you know, sit down, have a conversation and view one another in a, a positive lens. You know, we may not agree on everything or policy, but at the end of the day, we're all Americans here. Uh, we all bring something to the table. 
Um, and, you know, these conversations are so important um, because that's how friends, friendships develop. And that is how we can view others, you know, in a more positive intent, with positive intent, and kind of just move forward together, knowing that we're not always going to agree, but we are still part of one family. Yeah. Four years ago, when Donald Trump won, I know I, I was crushed. I <laughs> had a really, I, <laughs> yeah. I had, a, I had a really hard, um, hard time accepting that. And, and now four years later, I'm wondering how you're feeling right now. Yeah, uh, I am absolutely crushed for sure. I mean, talk about a crazy, well, this year is just crazy in general with uh, COVID and just everything uh, going on in this world. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know was and still am a very passionate Trump supporter. And I know right now it's there's still litigation out there and so on. Um, and it's yet to be determined what that's going to look like or what that brings. I get that part. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was sick to my stomach. Um, like most Americans, I, I didn't sleep <laughs> and I was, you know, glued to my phone to see when was, you know, is, are they going to call it? What's going on? These ballots and so on. So yeah, no, I, I probably share the same feelings that you had four years ago now. So, um, you know, no one likes to lose. So can you explain a little bit why you feel so crushed? Is it, is it because Trump lost or is it because Biden won or is it because it's just when you see the map and you see the blue and the red, there's just, it's clear how different we all are on this issue. Yeah, no, um, I'm crushed. There is one specific reason. Um, Biden to me is just a career politician, you know, 47 years. And for me, the one issue that he supported that really affected me was the don't ask, don't tell policy, which really affected my military career. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, other Repub- Republicans also supported that policy, but Biden also, you know, was part of that, um, that supported that policy. And I always, you know, the Democrats, you know, they always talk about young and vibrant and uh, new ideas and fresh ideas and maybe outsiders. And I was, you know, surprised that they end up running someone who is the embodiment of just the ultimate insider who's been around uh, for forever. Um, so my take on it was I felt like more people were voting against Trump than voting for Biden. Um, and he just, you know, he comes across as, yes, you know, nice and cordial. I guess any anyone would if you compare it to Trump, because Trump is a different beast there. Um, but no, I just, you know, to me, it's just the same old, same old. It's like a repeat, rinse and repeat. Um, and Trump, for all his faults, to me, is that middle finger to both sides, to both Democrats and Republicans and to the Washington establishment. Like, you need to start listening to the people um, and start representing us and what we want. Um, and he also kind of, you know, he would also attract Bernie supporters with his populist message, which also resonated with me. Um, and also the whole wars, um, Tracy, you know, I, you know, voted for Bush twice. Um, but now in hindsight, um, as the years went on, I questioned that decision based on, you know, was, were the wars worth it? And at the time I was so naive and thinking we have to go, we have to go. War is important. Um, but was it worth that cost of life and treasury? So, 
there's all that piece of it. And then the media, to me, the media really lost me this year. Um, actually, the, the last four years, mainly because every story on Trump was either inflated or it was like, can I believe it? Is it really happening? Um, depending on where you get your news from, everything was a scandal and everything was made to be a scandal. And I'm like, I just want the facts. So there's, there's all that wrapped into a bow there for you. No problem. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, I, um, I was hoping for someone a little bit younger on the, the Democrat side. I was a fan of Mayor Pete myself, but. Well, I um, was too. I'll tell you <laughs> well, why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, can you back up for a second and, um, some of our listeners may not remember Don't Ask, Don't Tell and what all that was about. So can you back up and, and explain your feelings on that a little bit more and give some context there? Yeah, if you're in the military back then, you mm-hmm. couldn't openly talk about your sexuality and nor could they ask. So it was if they suspected you to be gay, uh, they couldn't ask you. That's That was illegal. Uh, on the other side, you couldn't openly say, hey, I'm gay, you know. And for me and Tracy, you could vouch for this, you know, my sexuality had always been a struggle for me for many, many years. Um, And in the Navy, I was coming to terms with it, you know, like I'm, I'm gay. This is my, this is it. This is my life. This is who I am. And it was hard for me. So, because if they found out you get, you know, kicked out and so on. And so, um, I got really depressed, um, sought counseling, try to ungay myself, if you will. <laughs> and uh, because I reached out to a chaplain in the military, it was their legal obligation to tell um, because it was against the law. So, uh, you know, I was coming back from my second deployment overseas in support of Operation Iraqi and Enduring Freedom. And, you know, I was told um, you're no longer in the military. So when we got to San Diego, um, or actually it was Hawaii, they flew me off um, the ship. I couldn't take part in our homecoming ceremony. And I was sent to a, uh, a private uh, bunker in San Diego. When I checked in with my folder, the lady said, um, oh, you're one of them. And they put me in the back and I waited there for two weeks to get discharged. Luckily, because of my... Um, my conduct in the military, the captain gave me an honorable discharge. Um, however, on my DD-214, that is your discharge paperwork, it says homosexual admission to this very day. Um, so it's very personal uh, for, uh, for me. And um, but it, yeah, so that is the don't ask, don't tell policy in a nutshell. Thank you for sharing that. I know that was a hard time for you. I, we were friends back then and I remember, yeah. I remember that. So thank you. And I, I don't want to um, make this all about that by any means, but um, there are a lot of LGBT people who struggle with how could um, someone from our family, if you will, yeah. support yeah. <laughs> support yeah. Trump. And, and what do you say to them? I mean, other than what you just said with the don't ask, don't tell beyond that. I mean, do you mind if I sing the YMCA song? I mean, is that going <laughs> to bring me over some win- uh, some p- points there? Well, if I look back at other Republicans, uh, Trump is by far the most liberal uh, in terms of social policy. I mean, I think George Bush in 2007, he tried to do a constitutional amendment uh, to define marriage between a man and a woman. And of course, he did that because he, he wanted to preserve his legacy with the um, with the conservatives. 
And it was kind of one of those issues where it was just a hot button issue. Um, and for Trump, Trump um, to me has been the most pro gay president in terms of Republican side. I'm not saying Democrat side, but Republican side. He has made more of an effort to reach out to, to the gay community than other, any other Republican. He created the outspoken campaign. Um, so the first Republican president to even entertain reaching out to this community. And also he appointed the first openly gay um, gentleman to uh, as a cabinet position. I think it was Rick, Rick Grinnell um, to a cabinet position. So he's openly gay and he's also, um, he was a surrogate for President Trump for the campaign. So yeah, he's not perfect. He doesn't get a perfect uh, score. I don't think any president does in policy, but uh, just the fact that he made an attempt was good enough for me. Okay, that's fair. Do you think that over the past four years, because like you said, Trump has kind of been a, uh, how did you put it? Biden looks very nice compared to, to Trump, right? His personality and stuff. Yeah. Are there th- are there things that Trump could have done differently over the last four years to maybe bring more people over to his side? Do you think like he could have acted differently? That's a great question. I'll start with this. I watched a documentary on PBS after Trump won the first election, and one of his campaign surrogates said, uh, "Trump is Trump. He will either." succeed as Trump being Trump or he'll fail at being Trump and you're not, you're never going to change him. So with that being said, if you look at the, I don't know, this, the stats on this election, he actually did expand the tent. Uh, it was pretty drastic. I mean, there was one County in South Texas that went for Hillary. I think it was 60, 30 last time, uh, all Hispanic community, uh, Mexican American community. And it flipped to Trump this year. So he definitely made inroads with Latinos, um, with the black community. Now, again, did he win the majority? No, but he did increase uh, the numbers compared to other Republican uh, candidates in the past. Um, Yeah, and there's still more work to do. Um, But yeah, so I I think it's it all goes back to rhetoric. And so those that um, are in the middle or independent, they mostly look at policy, uh, but with Trump's rhetoric, um, yeah, it's off-putting to some. So, you know, I think he could have done, done a better job of, you know, like COVID. If you look at his policies for COVID, he actually did a pretty decent job, in my opinion. Um, but that was that was lost when he would speak at the podium. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you- was one of, that was one of his issues that voters, you know, uh, gave him a failing grade on. And, and that was because of the rhetoric, so. Yeah, you mentioned the um, Latino and the African-American voters. Um, to, in, in my opinion, there's been moments where he said things that seem offensive and racist. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you feel the same way, especially as a Latino person? No, I mean, if you live in New Mexico, you see it firsthand. I mean, crime is what it is over there. It's high, um, the state ranks last in everything. And it is because, you know, we are a sanctuary city and state, uh, New Mexico is. And so when he talks about building a wall or talked about it, um, you know, my dad is, uh, he came from Mexico and became a citizen in the early 80s. And he did it the, the, the legal way. And so you have, you have that sector of the uh, population that's, you know, immigrants that, hey, we want to have immigrants here, but there has to be a way to do it that's legal. Um, 
and yeah, so I, I know the media obsessed with rapists and Mexicans and so on. Um, he didn't say all of us are rapists and murderers. Uh, you know, I know what he was uh, trying to say there. And of course, that's where the media loses me because they blow it up into this thing that's not there. Um, and also the uh, white supremacist thing, you know, he's denounced it more than I've uh, denounced Krispy Kreme. I mean, it's just, it's there. Um, I, I hate Krispy Kreme. I like Dunkin' Donuts better. But, you know, that whole fine people on both sides, um, that's been debunked. That has been, I, I know USA Today ran an article about it because Biden tried to run with it in early stages of the campaign. That, that he, he, he was not referring to the white supremacist of that. Uh, he was referring to those that were defending the statues. Um, and so again, the media got the words and blew it up out of proportion. And, you know, he was labeled as a racist and that label has been with him for four years. Um, the interesting part though, is I feel like the media does a disservice because every Republican in office has been a racist. They called McCain a racist. They called Romney a racist. They called Bush a racist. And it's like, if you cry wolf so many times, like, do we believe you anymore? I mean, I don't know. So that's my take. Okay. And, and that would explain why um, he, he says the media is the enemy of the people, right? Yeah. Not you, but, Tracy. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, but do you think he should be saying blanket statements like that? I've had students who are journalism students who go cover this is before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Go, go cover an event, and I've had students who have witnessed people wearing T-shirts that have it's a rope, it's a tree, and a journalist, right? Yeah. yeah. Insinuating like we need to kill the media, and I've yeah. I have a sticker on my car that says "Trust me, I'm a reporter." I think it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I laugh. Yeah. But I but I have gotten I have had people flip me off before because yeah, I and that would that wouldn't have happened four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think he's fanning the flames in some ways for certain issues? Oh, sure. And I get why he says it, um, you know, because there's a group of us that feel marginalized where the media doesn't represent us. They, you know, they they do these puff pieces for Democrats all the time. And they're out there, you know, in our opinion, swaying elections as opposed to just doing their job and reporting facts and letting us decide um, if we believe it or not or, you know, what what our take is. Um, so I get why he said it. Um, obviously I do not condone violence on anyone, um, either side. I think it's unfortunate that our country's gone that way. Um, but yeah, there are certain things that he said, or I get he's, I get where he's coming from, but yeah, he could have done a different job of maybe, you know, expressing his view without fanning that flame. Um, but I also think the media really needs to check itself. Um, especially, you know, you're Tracy, you've been an honest journalist. I mean, since I've known you, you're, you're after the, you're a straight shooter. You go after the story and you present facts. Um, but I think we would agree these cable news outlets these days. I mean, it is all over the place. It's, it's Trump, 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 evil, 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 evil. And that's unfortunate. We're having a media literacy issue as well right now in the country. Yeah. but there are some really good journalists out there still. And that's the thing. And they get overlooked. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with that gentleman from The Intercept. Is it Glenn Grinwald? Um, you know, he is one, he's a liberal journalist. We call it liberal, uh, but very left. And, um, you know, he recently resigned from the publication that he created and started 
because the editors wouldn't let him run with the story about Biden. And again, it was with the laptop, China, and so on. And he had credible information that he had researched and they wouldn't run it. Um, and, you know, again, the argument is, is it because it was not a factual story or was it because the media wanted to sway the election one way, you know? And I heard him on the Megyn Kelly show um, and, you know, some of his work that he's done, he's won a lot of awards, but he was um, disinvited from like being a, a guest on MSNBC and CNN, like overnight, like you're canceled, you're done. We don't want to hear from you. You're liberal. You can't think that way. So that was sad. Well, I think that's a reflection of a lot of what we're seeing right now in the country, which is just a lot of reactionary people whatever the issue is right we have yeah. a reaction and a lot of thoughtfulness that goes into it and go ahead yeah yeah and i mean you see it with fox news i mean the second they called arizona i mean you'd have thought they hung up a nazi flag i mean their viewers fled i mean they they're hurting in the ratings over the weekend even and there's just like i'm on twitter all day and facebook and there's just these hashtag boycott fox news and people are just like their base is refusing to listen to them because they believe there's a bias there they believe these reporters are out to get trump and their supporters and they've been lied to this whole time and that's the reaction you know whether you agree with it or not it's again where how conservatives view the media you know so that's what i want to say about that sure sure uh, yeah it goes to show what a tinderbox everything is right now. <laughs> Sure. Except this conversation. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Where's our coffee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So have you ever taken offense to something that Trump has said? Have I? No, I can't say I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not just saying that just because I am one of his supporters. Um, you know, I, well, I'll start here. I, there, I'm not offended by anything. I mean, I really believe that everyone has the right to express themselves freely. And, you know, I have a pretty thick skin. I've been called names before. Um, So, you know, I always take what he says, you know, just at face value, but also I don't, you know, lose sleep over it. Um, I wrote a column a couple months, several months ago, and I made the case. I said that I didn't think Christians should vote for Trump because I didn't feel like he was a person of of strong character or leadership. Yeah. Um, And I got both sides. Um, I got a lot of support and a lot of pushback on that. But do you think that he's a person of character? Yeah, I, I do. Um, and, how I would do. You, and, how, and how would you define character? Well, first, I, as a person of faith, I always start, start with the premise that we have all fallen short. You know, Obama was not perfect. Bush wasn't perfect. You know, whether their sins were outwardly and no one saw, you know, no one saw them. But, you know, I, I think of Clinton. Clinton, you know, his character was pretty jacked up right in the 90s. Uh, people still voted for him. Uh, you know, I think back before social media, there was John F. Kennedy um, in the 60s, right? And, you know, uh, there's a lot of speculation of his many affairs. Um, so I, I don't think it's fair to, you know, throw it all at Trump because, you know, Trump, yeah, he's made mistakes. He's made some off-color comments. Um, I think the Axis Hollywood tape, I, I really believed in 2016 that that was going to sink him. Um, you know, because you know, anyone that listens to it or listened to it, you know, it was not good. And I thought that was the uh, October surprise that would have done him in. Um, you know, to his credit, he came out and, 
he acknowledged it uh, that night on Facebook and apologized. Um, and then he brought, of course, <laughs> Clinton's accusers to the next debate. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I've learned, Tracy, and I, I think you know me, I was really judgy uh, in college and even, you know, and I've learned to not be that way um, because we all have something, you know, we're not perfect. And so, yeah, that's kind of my, my take on it. And I know there are Christians that didn't vote for Trump. And I know there's a lot that did vote for Trump uh, and mainly on policy. And actually policy to me is very important, especially when we talk about the basics of lower tax, lower taxes, pro-growth, regulation, Supreme Court, all these things that conservatives drool over. Yeah, I think you're right. Policy is huge, but also it's just certain issues, right? Abortion yeah. is a huge one. Um, immigration is a huge one. Um, marriage equality um, is yeah. a huge one. And so that some some for some people, I think it is a single issue. Yeah, so we, we go back to Mayor Pete. That's how he lost me. You know, I not that I would have voted for a Democrat this year, but I did watch all their debates in the primaries uh, for sure because I'm a nerd. Um but I liked him. I thought he was young, uh, articulate, and really smart, and kind of knew all the issues. And I was like, you know, maybe the Democrats will run him. Um, he he, he had, had that Obama-esque appeal, like inspirational, and you could really get behind him. What turned me off about him was a single town hall uh, when it was, uh, let's see, yeah, she was a pro-life Democrat. She raised her hand and asked if there's room for, in the tent for her and her beliefs, and he just said no. Um, and she actually wrote an op-ed in the USA Today about it. And to me, that's where you lose me. You know, even if he lied and said, let's have a conversation, we could talk about where we disagree. But he wanted the cheap applause line, and that's how I'm like, come on. You know, you could say I am pro-choice, but I get why, how you, why you feel that way. Uh, maybe because, you know, your faith or there's something in your life that's told you to believe that way. So let's talk about it. But no, it was kind of very dismissive. So he lost me there. And then he became a Biden surrogate. And I just thought some of his commentary was just, he inflamed, you know, he, he, he really threw a finger at Trump supporters and a lot of his interviews. And I was like, come on, Pete, you're better than this. Um, I, I really liked Andrew Yang. I think if uh, Mayor Pete had Andrew Yang's appeal, I think it could have been a force for good, but that didn't happen either. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Yeah. 78 year old and, uh, <laughs> and Trump was 74. I'm like, can our country, can we, <laughs> is there a different age bracket? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we still saw that most of the evangelical vote went to Trump, but yeah. we have seen some more, um, evangelical leaders speaking out against Trump, like writing, writing editorials and so forth. Um, John Piper, right, was one of them. Mm -hmm. Are you yeah. seeing some, are you surprised by that or disappointed by that? No, because, you know, I go back to, you know, it's it's everyone's right to believe in what they want to believe and, and it's their right to express themselves and how they want to express themselves. And, you know, we're not always going to agree, but I could see why they're, you know, speaking out. You know, um, yeah, I mean, if you look on on paper, you know, usually Republicans run 
Jesus Christ as our candidate, perfect, well-to-do, no blemishes, because we know the media is going to attack us. And here you had Trump, who was like, yeah, I had multiple affairs. I did this. I said this. I did, you know, whatever it was. And I'm going to be your fighter. And I think Trump was the fighter that we wanted uh, against the media and the establishment. And, you know, that's why he had all these supporters in the Christian community were like, he's a sinner. We get it. But we also want a fighter. But no, I was not surprised that uh, people spoke up. Uh, or you know, spoke out against uh, voting for Trump, especially in the Christian circles. Um, but again, I, you know, I've, I have some friends who are Christians who voted for Biden, and we've had debates over it. But I could, uh, you know, I see why they voted for Biden. So it's not a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Um, not too, not too long before the election, um, Trump said he was no longer Presbyterian and he was a born again Christian. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Do you? This was after two Corinthians walk into a bar. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you believe that was a sincere thing or more of a, like a political move to swing voters? Or I guess it's hard to know, but it is hard to know. And it goes back again. I, I don't want to judge someone on what they, you know, their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes for anybody. Um, you know, I, you could argue, you know, Nancy Pelosi saying that she's praying for the president and during impeachment. And all. I mean, come on. It's we all know both sides do it. It's a, a, a political show. Um, and no, you know, I don't, I mean, I, I hope he's a born again believer. I, you know, that my faith tells me that if you're born again, um, and you, you know, you believe in Jesus Christ that you will see heaven. Um, but again, um, that's God, that's up to God to judge. For sure. Are there any democratic, um, politicians that you look up to that you appreciate? Not for president, um, just in general. Uh, Bernie Sanders, um, because Bernie Sanders, I don't agree with any of his policies. I mean, I don't, uh, but he is who he says he is. So, you know, I was really uh, shocked of how the Democrats really uh, ran over him in 2016. Um, that was pretty messed up. And I also, I see the facts that 13% of the Bernie bros went over to Trump has the middle finger to the Democrat, the party. Um, but he has had the same conviction in all his years. He has not waffled. He's not changed. This is what I believe in. Um, and so you know what you're going to get with him. It's better than, you know, some politicians who say one thing and they do another. And it's just, it's like you're back and forth. Um, so, yeah, I, I look up to him, not in a, I want to be like him way, but just like a respect that he um, has, um, held true to his convictions and his moral compass. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I, I feel the same way about, um, I re- really respect Mitt Romney. I really respected John McCain. So there's, there's good guys. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say this now, I McCain absolute war hero, um, respected his service to our country. Um, you know, as far as Romney, um, Romney is just, you know, I voted for him in 2012 um, and I did it just not like full force. It was kind of like, uh, that's all we have kind of thing. Um, I just don't, I don't know. He just seems like sometimes he speaks just for attention, you know, just to ruffle feathers. It, he knows it gets under Trump's skin and he wants just to poke at it. Um, and for us, like in the Republican party, we want loyalty um, and we don't, I don't view Romney as being loyal. 
I mean, I don't, but that's my opinion. Um, but I would respect McCain over Romney more, more so. Um, I, I think, you know, McCain ran a, a very uh, noble campaign in 2008 when we all knew that he wasn't going to win. I mean, it was evident that Obama just took over the world, you know, that landscape. Um, but McCain kept us cool and he also called out, you know, uh, racism when he saw it and, and which was awesome. You know, I posted on Facebook the other day and I saw you were on there yeah. commenting. <laughs> I posted a, I posted a status update, um, on Saturday when, when CNN, uh, called, um, when CNN said that, um, Biden was the president elect yeah. and I said, celebrate. Yes. But let's also remember that 70 million Americans are feeling crushed right now. And let's be a little empathetic towards that. Um, and I was, you know, um, I got interesting feedback. I was, it was liked, it was liked a lot of times it was shared a lot of times, but I was also, my Democrat friends were offended by it. Several of them saying, um, they thought what I said was offensive. Um, and then I also had a lot of my friends who are Trump supporters kind of start attacking my Democrat friends. Yeah. So there's like, and I think it illustrates where we are in this country, actually. Yeah. So what was your take on on um, the call for empathy and the call for compassion? And Well, coming from you, you mean it. I mean, that's the thing. I've known you not to sow division. You want folks to get along and, you know, that's your always your intention. Um, the Democrats drive me bonkers with this because the last four years they've been trying to get Trump out of office. Um, you know, they, they call us racist, misogynist, homophobic, every name possible. You know, I've been called, I've been called stupid, the wrong kind of Mexican, a sellout to the gay community, you name it, I've been called it. Um, so it's really hard as a battered woman to come back and say, okay, I'll give you another chance. Um, it's going to take a lot of uh healing on our side for us to ever want to do that with the democrats um you know especially you know biden's doing it making those you know speeches of unity um but then again you know it's fresh off a campaign where all the ads you ran trump was uh hitler incarnate so there's that um and also it's scary now is like to me like democrats are tweeting very you know, like take names of all those who voted for Trump. Um, th this is not the country I want to live in. I mean, you don't take names of your, your enemies and to do what with them, to hurt them in their jobs or uh, make sure they don't have a, a they could earn a, de a decent wage or, you know, whatever you're going to do with them. So yeah, the, the rhetoric is high. It's hot right now. Um, the feelings are hot, especially, and just, I don't know where, how we get to a place of unity, if that's possible. Um, but if, I think you could attest to this, campaigns have gotten really nasty. I mean, really, really nasty. They're not, it's not ever on policy anymore. It's just like, it's very personal. Um, and I don't know how to get past that, to be honest. Um, and the Democrats, what surprised me in your post was, why are they getting offended? Like if I was a Democrat and you know we won the election, I would be happy. I would be reaching out to more Trump supporters and finding out how can we have a conversation and get you included in, in our journey. And so that's where the Democrats lose me is they preach on being a party of everyone and uh, tolerant. 
Um, but the second you speak out and they don't like it, it's you're done. So that's my take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a need for healing on both sides because not everyone who's a Trump supporter is like you, Kiko. There have been some people who have done and said hurtful things, just like there have been people on our side who have said and done hurtful things. Absolutely. And so, you know, you you said before we started recording that um, you have friends who voted for Biden, who have totally different views than you, who are Christian, not Christian, whatever. Uh, and you find ways to come together and talk politics and and keep a friendship intact. And that seems like so, it seems like a unicorn right now. So like, what's your secret? How are you, how are you doing that? Well, one of my strengths that I have is they call me Mayor Wu, which is winning others over. I don't ever try to win over like, um, obviously you have your core beliefs and, I want to know what those are to learn from them and, you know, that sort of thing. But really I, I, when I have a conversation with a, like a Biden supporter, I always go into those conversations with positive intent where I'm not here to change their mind. I'm just here to listen. Um, and also I want them to lead the conversation knowing that if they ever had a flat tire, I would be there to help them. I would call roadside assistance, but I would still be there to help them. Um, that's kind of my philosophy in life. Um, you know, I think friendship is bigger than a, who you voted for kind of thing. Now people are going to disagree with me. They're going to say, well, how can you ever be associated with a Trump supporter? That's, you know, you're condoning racism and all this and come on, uh, Tracy knows me. I'm not a racist person. Um, and that's, again, we, we, we put people in boxes and that's very dangerous. Yeah. You know, when I have dinner with my friends, I don't say, here's another miss, you know, uninformed liberal and, you know, they're ignorant and, you know, I just, I don't do that. I'm glad that you were willing to come on this podcast. For me, I think um, in order for us to heal as a country, we really got to go into unpopular spaces and have these conversations. Um, and we got to tone down the rhetoric. I mean, it's both sides. You know, I get it. We want our candidate to, you know, win. We're very competitive. Um, but I think we lost track of that. You know, we are in, we, we live in this country together. We are one family and we should do uh, what's best for one another. And I think that gets lost in campaigns. You know, it's always us versus them. And that's why it's so hard for us to kind of unite around any singular president. You know, um, when Obama won in 2008, I was upset. I didn't like it um, because I thought his policies were horrible. But also I thought of the moment um, for a lot of my black friends was this is the first damn black president ever in history. So, you know, this is a, a joyous moment for them and for all of us as a country. Um, you know, we've come really far from, you know, where we were in the 60s, right? Um, and so uh, I, I think those kind of things we could um, rally around. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, but more than anything, I want people with different opinions to be heard and not silenced. Um, I, I don't know what your feeling is, Tracy, about like the, the cancel culture, but it is driving me crazy. I mean, you know, I'm on Twitter, you know, boycott this, cancel this, don't do this, don't go here. I mean, I can't live without Starbucks. Starbucks and I, we disagree on almost everything, but I still go get my coffee there. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's that's a whole nother podcast, but yeah, you know. <laughs> right? Am I? <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you one more question. I I'm a very spiritual person, even yeah. though I've I've my beliefs have changed since we were in college, uh, and I know you are a very faithful person as well. So uh, I'm going to ask you, what is a spiritual practice that you're using to move forward in this time? And, and I'll tell you mine first, which is as I approach every single person, whether it's someone I'm interviewing who's different than me or talking to a Trump supporter or someone who cuts me off in traffic, whatever it is, I try to really be intentional about thinking about their happiness and wanting that for them. And that helps me, that helps remind me that they are a human being and not just a bad driver (laughs) or whatever it is, you know? And so it might sound really simple, but it's, it's a physical thing I can do every day. And I'm just wondering what what's a spiritual practice or a Bible verse or a prayer or something that's kind of keeping you um, rational right now. <laughs> if there's such a thing, um, I'll be honest, I have failed, um, you know, Saturday after the media came out and announced Biden, I was not in a good place. I immediately went to my Instagram and did a, you know, a live feed that did not go well. Um, one of my old coworkers made a comment um, that I did not like. And, you know, I, you know, I don't say that, you know, I had a blow up, but I was very upset and, you know, give me grace too, because it was a very emotional experience for me. Uh, just like it was for you four years ago when uh, Trump won. So for me, I've had to check myself in the recent, in recent days, uh, I've turned off the news I've just, you know, tried to calm down, reset myself, um, because again, we're only on this earth for a very short period of time. And I don't want my legacy to be someone who demeans somebody or was mean to somebody over an election. Um, I want my legacy to be different than that. So yeah, um, I, before that, I would always say, you know, this could be that person's last day on earth or last moment. And is this what you want their moment to be, you know? And I, I worked in a funeral home uh, back in the day. So death was always apparent to me. And, you know, there's no do-overs, you know, once it's your time, it's your time. And you always wondered, you know, what was their last moment like? Who did they talk to? And what if it's like this one magical moment where you had a chance to love somebody or be kind to somebody. And that was their last moment on earth. Or it could be, I yelled at somebody, I threw them a finger for cutting me off in traffic. And then they died that night and that was their day. So I keep that in, in my perspective. I love that. That's good. I was rambling about it, but yeah, it's very, I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> yeah. Check, check yourself at emotions, especially right now. Kiko has not changed my mind on the Donald, but this conversation has helped me understand my friend better, and I hope it's done the same for him. All of us know someone who voted for the other guy. I urge you to go talk to them. See if you can find some common ground. If you do, I'd love to hear about your experience. You can find my contact info at SpokaneFaves.com. That's SpokaneFaves.com. Thanks for listening. (music) 